You must believe in order to come to God. Pastor Ed Ray explains. He who comes to God must believe that he, God, is. Now that's another one of those, not a command, not a warning, stay away. It's the one of those, come on, God's saying. Come to me. If you seek me diligently, you'll find me. It's my desire to have a relationship. Well, how do I have a relationship with a God I can't see? No, that's the definition of faith. It's putting your trust in something you cannot see. God wants you to examine the evidence. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. Contrary to how Christians are often characterized, we're not called to exercise blind faith. But there are reasons to believe, evidence to examine that encourages us to believe. We'll explore some of that evidence today on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We'll be continuing in 1 Thessalonians, and in chapter 1, we'll not only hear about how to begin a relationship with the Lord by faith, but how to grow it as well. Now, we know them in a slightly different order from the famous verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that's read it, weddings a lot. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Because Paul was writing about love and being loving in the way you present the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a church. But Paul, we believe, this is his first letter. And so this is more in the chronological order that it works its way out. These graces work their way out in your life and in mine. So faith works, love labors, and hope has patience or endurance. The work of faith, faith. Faith or trust or belief, same word. Faith is an attitude of dependence upon God. That's simple. Trusting Him. Putting your faith in Him. Believing that what He says is true. And actually be willing to test it, to go out on a limb. It is an attitude that expects God to do what he says that he does. Faith is not a work, but faith does produce a certain result that can be called a work. In other words, you cannot get faith by working for it. You cannot get saved by doing enough good things. I hope that's very clear to all of you. I had a guy last night, though, that that wasn't clear. He grew up in the same church I did, and he thought faith was something you had to work for. No, no, because God gives you faith the result is you want to serve him. God gives you faith, yes, Romans 12, 3. To each person is given a measure of faith. So any faith that I have, I can't go, wow, I, I worked that one up. No, you received it. God gave it to you. Don't be taking credit for anything that God did. Actually, that's true about all three of these cardinal graces, that faith is a gift, Love is a gift, and hope is a gift from God for you. You have to learn how to exercise them, how to embrace them, how to make them part of our life, but they are God's gift to you and to me. So your work produced by faith. Notice work is singular. 
It is a specific thing that God led you to do, and there'll be a stack of them, but you just do it in response to God. The Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, speaks about a quality of life. It's not a one-time occurrence. It's this gift that comes into your life and changes your perspective, your world vision, your view of life. Without a vision, people perish. Those of you that have been in the Redlands Bowl, you'll know it's across the top. Without vision, people perish. It's actually a proverb. Without a spiritual vision of what God is wanting to do in your life, you'll die without having accomplished what God wanted to accomplish through you. That's a challenge. That's God saying, get a vision from me. I have plans for your life that are amazing. We'll get to that at the next verse. Your work produced by faith. This overarching, all-encompassing lifestyle that comes from faith invading our life. If you don't have faith, you can't have a relationship with God. Well, pastor, how can you say that? I didn't say it. Scripture does. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But he who comes to God must believe that he, God, is and that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, that's another one of those, not a command, not a warning, stay away. It's one of those, come on, God's saying. Come to me. If you seek me diligently, you'll find me. It's my desire to have a relationship. Well, how do I have a relationship with a God I can't see? No, that's the definition of faith. Substance of things unseen. It's putting your trust in something you cannot see. God wants you to examine the evidence. Pastor, how can I examine evidence if I can't see it? Because there's more in life than what you can see with your five senses. That's not to say that there isn't evidence that's physical. We talked about the entropic principles a couple of weeks ago. Those 900 constants of physics and chemistry and biology that if they were off by 1% in either direction, there'd be no life on planet Earth. Well, isn't that lucky? No, it's not. God tweaked the dials. He designed this place for life. 900 constants like the speed of the earth spinning around, like the distance from the sun, the distance from the moon, the Van Allen belts that go around and protect us from radiation. 900s of those, if they were 1% higher or 1% lower, not it would be difficult, no life whatsoever, nothing, not grass, not cockroaches, no one. <laughs> Just want to make sure you're listening. Some of you are starting to fade off. You know? <laughs> he talking about biology again. We're going off into biochemistry land. Fasten your seatbelts. Believe that he is. Little tiny bit of faith. Okay, not all the way, just a little one. All right, God, if you're there and real, speak to me in a way I'll understand. That's about as much as it took for him to grab a hold of me. Believe, trust, take a little tiny step of faith. I came across an old story, but it's still the best I know about faith. World War II, bombing of London, true story. Dad's with his son. The back of their house gets blown out by a German rocket. And there's no lights on because even a single candle can be seen 10 miles away in the air. 
So they run outside and it's black and the dad falls into a bomb crater. And the kid says, dad, dad, where are you? And he dusts himself up and he looks up and his son's is about 12 foot deep. And his son's up there and he says, son, I'm right here, jump, I'll catch you. He says, dad, I can't see anything, it's absolutely black. But the son is standing with the burning building behind him so the dad can see him silhouetted. He says, I know you can't see me, son, but I can see you. Jump. Now, I've remembered that story over and over again in my life when God was asking me to jump into something I couldn't see. And he caught me every time. What are you struggling with? The Heavenly Father says, jump into my arms. I will catch you. I will take care of you. I love you. I won't let you fail. He is able to keep you from stumbling, from falling, and to present you faultless before the Heavenly Father. That's his promise to you personally. God is able. You're not able. I'm not able. God is able to keep you from falling and will present you faultless. Well, Pastor, you don't know how many times I've felt this week. Yeah, but you're here. <laughs> he got you up. This set you off. Maybe that's why you're here. You're so beat up this week, you go, golly, I got to get back to church. Well, glad you're here. God's glad you're here. God's excited that you're here. So, without faith, it's impossible to please him. But when you believe just a little tiny bit, he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So, faith works. The result of the gift of faith in your life will be you want to serve God. Second one, love labors. The labor of love. Now, this Greek word for love we're familiar with, it's the word agape, selfless, unconditional love, without strings attached. It's God's quality of love towards us. Love that builds lives, doesn't tear them down. Love that labors on behalf of other people, many that you don't even know. Whoever loves much does much, Thomas Akempis said. It is a labor that has to do with love. Now, simplest explanation, working in a hospital for years, in the maternity ward, the patient's room were called labor rooms. Now, years ago, I watched my wife give birth to both of our daughters. It was hard on me. You know, it was a tough day. Yeah. 28 hours for the first one. Goodness gracious, we've got stuff to do. Get that baby out of there. 32 hours the next time. So, yeah, I'll pay for that. <laughs> but the picture is of this baby takes forever to come out. It causes my wife great pain. And I'm thinking, she's going to be really mad when that kid comes out. No, she was all over that kid, kissing it, loving it. She's still crying from the pain. Labor of love. That's what Paul is talking about. That there is a labor because of the love that you received, you know you need to give it away. Because by definition, love is only love when it's given away. And you say, well, I feel love. <laughs> no, 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 no. Agape love is an action. It's a verb. You got to do something with it. You have to give it away. Then God will refresh you. He'll give you more. But it will cost you. It might be a little painful. That probably will be painful. This is Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. 
Andy's reminding us that loving another requires some sacrifice and pain. Now, of course, that begs the question, how much pain? To help answer that question on the challenge of love from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, once again, here's Pastor Ed. The word labor here is the pain and weariness involved in the effort. So it's different than the word work with faith. This means it's going to cost you a little to do it. Have you noticed that? When you love people, particularly the ones you don't know, the ones that use you and take advantage of you, I'll never do that again. Yeah, you will. Because you give it away. I got this shirt that has a big S on it. It doesn't stand for Superman. It stands for sucker. (laughs) People see me across the parking lot and yell, hey, hey. And I'm thinking they must go to the church. No, it's some homeless guy. He says, there's a sucker. And he runs over and he's right. I am a sucker over and over and over again. Love, it's hard. Years ago, we were in Sebastopol, Northern California at Charles Schultz's place. Some of you are old enough to remember Peanuts. Well, you know it from the Peanuts cartoons on the movies on TV, right? So Schultz is a believer, really, was a really strong, he's with the Lord now. And this is the 70s. So he goes to a friend's house who's very wealthy there in Sebastopol, invites him over for dinner. So he says he puts a sports jacket on and he uh, comes to dinner and the guy sees him at the front door. He says, oh, you look great. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. I have something for you that will make that outfit complete. And Schultz says, no, no, I'm fine. He says, no, no, sit down, wait right here. And he goes and he comes back a couple of minutes later, again, the 70s, and he puts a big gold medallion on him that says love, right? So hippie stuff, you know, love. And so Schultz fingers it a couple of minutes. Pretty funny guy. Has a great sense of humor. And then he takes it off and he said, quote, it's just too hard for me. Do you have one that says like? <laughs> Love isn't easy. You know, like. Some of you are reduced to barely getting like out right now. I understand. But that's why we come to church, to be reminded that God gives us faith, God gives us love, agape love, to give away to others. So there it is, faith works, love labors. Last one, hope endures. The New King James says patience of hope, but the NIV says your endurance of hope, which is a better picture here. Hope is a fascinating word to me, very interesting if you go back to the etymology of it, how it became a word in the English language. And and we mean something different than scripture does. Hope today is something that's a mm, a possibility. It's a contingency. It might happen, maybe. I hope it doesn't get too hot today. But it's questionable whether or not it will happen. That's not the root of the word, particularly in the Greek language. Hope is an eager expectation of something good. Not just you expect good to come. You're anticipating it, and you're certain about it, and you're looking forward to it happening. Now, he puts an interesting word up against that this word endurance or patience, hupomunde. So the Greek word hupo means under and munde is to remain. To remain under the load. It's used of a beast of burden, a donkey or something that's carrying, and that, or a man who's got a heavy backpack and he keeps it on. He endures. He stays under the load. Now, We've all asked God for things in prayer and they didn't get here quick enough. We get impatient with God. This is deeper than that. We need to drill a little bit deeper. Paul is writing to a church that is suffering persecution already for believing in Jesus. They're brand new Christians. And they're already being persecuted 
for accepting Jesus. Things are not going well in the relationships. Marriages are not working out. Spouses are angry and divorcing them. Families are fragmented. Parents having funerals, literally, for their sons or daughters who gave their hearts to the Lord. We're talking about very difficult things. Some of you are in that same position right now, here, this morning. I don't know all the things that are going on in each one of your lives. Some of you, I know, you're facing that dreaded word, cancer. Hupo mundi, stay under the load and have an expectation of coming good in this life and in eternity. Well, it's easy to catapult into eternity and say it's all going to be better. There's no pain there. There's no sorrow. It's going to be wonderful. But here, now, God's keeping you here for some reason. You are here now for a reason. So what is it that you're facing that you'd like to just get out from under? We all get that sort of temptation, cut and run. I need to just cut your losses. No, no, no. When you gave your heart to Jesus, he gave you faith. He gave you love. Now he gives you hope and expectation of good things coming. He wants you to hang on. We have a little cocklebur in this area that I keep pulling out of uh, my dog's fur. You're familiar with it. But if you take one and put it under a microscope, low power, you'll see that on the end of each one of those needles that stick out of those cockleburs is a little hook. <laughs> so when it goes into fur, it just holds on like a knitting needle or something. But what's even more interesting about its design is that it has five to seven seeds in it. And they are coated with varying degrees of a waxy substance. And so when the, let's say it gets on my dog, he runs down the street, it gets deposited on a, wiped off on something, and it wastes there, and then spring comes, and there's no rain like it was last year. And so the seed pops open, the outer one doesn't have much wax on it, and it dies, it doesn't come to fruit. But the next year, the same cockleburr has another layer. And that one pops out, expecting rain, and we got a little rain this year. So it starts to grow. That's a picture here of expectation. It's planning on flourishing, on going on. So the seed is waiting. There's different layers. You have hope. Endure. Knowing. Beloved brethren, your election by God. You are beloved by God, the Greek structure says, and your election. Choice. You were chosen by God. That's what this says. God chose you, and he loves you. Personally, you. He put together in your mother's womb. He knit you together, it says in the Hebrew. Woven like mitosis, like DNA unwinding and then coming back together. 23 chromosomes from mom, 23 chromosomes from dad. He made you in your mother's womb, and he gave you the number of days for your life. That's what Psalm 139 says. That's what David said about his own life and what he says about your life. Jeremiah, first chapter, God chose you, Jeremiah, to be a prophet to the nations before you were born. What he says of Ezekiel, what he says of Isaiah, what he said of John the Baptist, what he says of you. You were chosen by God. Chosen for what, pastor? I don't know. But God does, and he'll show you. Well, I've gone through my life, and, and nothing important's happened. Well, it may have happened and you didn't see it, or maybe it hasn't happened yet. Maybe you're facing some real terrible, difficult time. You're not sure if you're going to live. God 
has a plan for your life. It may be somebody on your deathbed. I've seen it happen working in a hospital for years where the last day of a person's life led somebody in their family to the Lord from their deathbed. That was God's plan for them. I don't know what his plan for you is, but it's good. And in eternity, you'll go, wow, that happened? Yeah, God's plan. He chose you and he loves you. Last verse. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, dynamite, dudamas, Greek says power. And in the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, and in much assurance with confidence as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. Paul's saying, you know, we were just on fire for Jesus. We're going like crazy. Paul came to them beat up because in Philippi, they had beat him with sticks and thrown him in prison. And then God, they were, he and Silas were singing tonight, you know, they're tapping their foot. God's tapping his foot, causes an earthquake. The front door blows open and they walk out. Jailer goes to kill himself. Paul says, don't do that. Leads him to the Lord. Leads his family to the Lord. That's in Acts 16 and 17. You'll love it. But he's still beat when he gets to Thessalonia. That's what he's saying. You know what kind of people we were. We didn't come to you in word only. We came to you in power. You see, it's not just an intellectual ascent. It's something deeper. It's the Spirit of God coming and living in you and changing your want to changing your desires, changing your passions, changing your goals in your life. We're out of time, so let me close with a true story I heard about this week. Uh, Indonesian Christian camp director, well known for having the most awesome high school and college camps in a nation that's 87% Muslim. So these camps are always very well organized. He has games and sports, and everybody just loves it. It comes, a lot of people come, including non-Christians. Recently, a boy named Amid, a non-believer, came who was from a severely dysfunctional family. He disrupted everything, bullied smaller kids, swore at others. Discipline with a cane is still used throughout this country. The camp director knew he had to do something, but he didn't want a cane, this kid. It's a bamboo stick on your back. Camp director knew he had to do something. He didn't want to cane this kid. So he gathered the leaders and shared his idea with them. They were all shocked, but they agreed to it. He called a mid in and got him to answer honestly how many strokes, how many stripes with the cane he thought each one of his infractions had a list of his infractions. Well, they went through all the infractions and, and it came up with 25 strokes. And the mid said, You can't cane me that much. It wouldn't be very Christian. <laughs> Playing the Christian card with these believers. In one way, you're right, said the camp director, but since I want you to understand what Christianity is, I'm not going to cane you 25 or 5 or any time. So then the camp director took his own shirt off, sat down backwards on a straight back chair, and his assistant caned him on the back 25 times while Amid watched him. He said, I want you to understand what Christianity is. Jesus took your stripes so that you wouldn't have to, and Amid eventually gave his heart to the Lord. You're listening to Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray is going through 1 Thessalonians right now. And for a CD copy of today's message, give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You can find many more resources to help you grow in grace 
when you visit thepackinghouse.org, like Pastor Ed's devotional. Are you looking for a good book? Allow me to suggest The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. It's a good one. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. He also modeled this through how he lived. And that's the emphasis of the Jesus style. You'll learn how to follow in the Lord's footsteps and become the servant of all. And we'll send this your way for a gift of any amount. We rely on the support of our listeners to bring these shows to the radio each day. Large or small, each and every gift is appreciated and put to good use, helping many around the world grow in grace. To make a contribution and request the Jesus Style today, call us at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You know, it's a real blessing when we hear back from our listening audience. Whether it's a word of encouragement or a comment related to the study, a question, a prayer request, we want to hear from you. Drop us an email today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in 1 Thessalonians with Pastor Ed Ray. May God richly bless you. This program is brought to you by Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place God will dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your